Some of those high fives sounded like they hurt. <laughs> they were loud. What an awesome, awesome thing. Last Saturday, we had about 90 people between Horsetooth and Windsor that were baptized and made public their faith. Isn't that awesome? Wow. You know, ultimately, that, that's why we're here. That's why we exist, to celebrate with people who go from darkness to light, from death to life because of Jesus. And so we are so grateful uh, for, for what happened last weekend. It's good to see all of you here today. Thank you for being here, especially if you are a first-time guest with us today at Timberline. Thank you for coming. I know that it can be awkward to be a guest at a new place anywhere. And sometimes, especially at church, because church people are weird. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I hope it hasn't been awkward for you. I hope that uh, you know that you're in a room full of people who don't know you, but would love to get to know you. We're delighted that you're here. Our hope for you is that you would plug into uh, a local church and use your gifts to make a difference in the lives of others, a place where you can grow and learn. And fortunately, in northern Colorado, we have a lot of fantastic churches doing great things for the kingdom of God. And we just want you to be in one of those. And so if it's Timberline, great. Let us help you get plugged in. There is a connection card we put right in the chair back in front of you. If it is your first time, would you just take out that connection card, fill out the information, check check the box, put your email on there. And uh, if you have uh, questions about certain ministries you can flip it over and check a box on the back of those different ministries we'll email you information we won't bug you or call you but we would just love to have a record of you being with us that would be great at the end of our service when our offering goes around you can drop that in the offering plate that would be great um, also on the inside of your bulletin there's an insert lists all the tables that are out in the mall area. Look through that. If there's a ministry that catches your eye, you have questions about it, you want to know how to sign up or volunteer, whatever the case may be, stop by those tables before you leave today. There are people there who could answer your questions, help you get connected. All right? Timberlinechurch.org is our website. We always have all our information there. Uh, that would be helpful as well. I almost sat down. I'm glad I didn't. There's no stool there. <laughs> Woo, that was close. <laughs> I do want to tell you about uh, uh, something that's coming up this fall. I hesitate to even talk to you about the fall because uh, I don't want to rush summer away. How many think summer's going too fast already? I know. I can't believe we're already into August. But one of the things we do around here uh, every year in the fall is we have a weekend series that corresponds with small groups. And so we recruit new people to get involved. It's a great time to plug into a small group if you're not already. And the small group curriculum, which we create, we write the, the booklet. We've already videotaped segments to kind of launch the discussion. It, it will follow right along with the weekend series. This year in the fall, towards the end of September, we're doing a series on the book of Ecclesiastes. Thank you very much. <laughs> And uh, it's called The Facts of Life. It's going to be a great, great series. And so uh, hopefully you will get plugged into a small group. However, we're not quite there yet. We need leaders first. And so if you are open to facilitating, it's really facilitating a small group because we provide the curriculum. We'll train you, answer your questions for you. We'll be there to support you. If you would like to lead a small group, to facilitate the, the, a small group, then what I would like for you to do is take out this yellow card. It's in the chair back in front of you. Fill it out. 
Put it in the offering plate at the end of our service, and we will get in touch with you and answer your questions and let you know when the training will be. All right? And uh, this is uh, for, for uh, all over the nor- uh, northern Colorado is our hope, that we'll have small groups all over northern Colorado. If you're a part of, of the, uh, or thinking about being part of the New Windsor uh, venue, uh, when it opens, we want to have uh, small groups all over Windsor as well, walking through this series, even though the church won't be open yet. Um, we want to have small groups going. And so uh, fill out this card, drop it in the offering plate at the end of the service, and we'll get in touch with you and let you know how you can get plugged in. All right? Hey, I want to show you a picture of me. How arrogant is that? Let me just show you me. But it's not a flattering picture. This is a picture at the gym where I go to work out, and it is... Towards the end of about an hour-long workout where my trainer, a guy named Chris, who has quite an evil streak inside of him, um, at the end of this workout, he says, I want you to do now Spider-Man push-ups. Now, I won't illustrate for you what a Spider-Man push-up is, but that's the basic position, only you're not supposed to be laying on the floor. Okay? You're supposed to be up. That was the point where, where I, my mind told me, you're done. Just stop. Don't push any more. And I just laid there. My mind said, you're done. My trainer, however, said, do five more. And he said that while he's snapping this picture with his phone. And I'm vacuum, vacuuming up the carpet with how I'm breathing right there. And uh, he said, do five more. And so this battle began in my mind. Now, he was right. He was right. But I had to win the battle in my mind. I did five more. Because I had to convince my mind that I could do it. Now, here's why, I, here's why I bring that up. We're in a series, as you know, if you've been around here, uh, we're doing a summer series called Fit for the Journey. And what we're doing is we're talking about what it means, what it looks like to be spiritually fit. We live in Colorado, the fittest state in America, where there is a fitness craze. And so we're, act, we're asking the question, what would happen if followers of Jesus became as devoted to being spiritually fit as Coloradoans are to being physically fit. And what would that mean? And what would it look like? So we're talking about elements of being spiritually fit. Well, today, I've called the message, what do you think? What do you think? Now, there's a few ways you could ask that question. All right? You could ask that question like this. If someone comes to me and says, do you want some ice cream? I could say, what do you think? You know, that's like rhetorical. Like, duh, of course I want some ice cream. Or if you were to come to me and say, where do you want to go for dinner? I might say, well, I don't know. What do you think? A genuine question about wanting to know your opinion. Isn't it interesting in a series on fitness, both illustrations have to do with eating. I need this series, okay? The way I'm asking the question today is, what do you think? What do you think? Because what you think has a lot to do with being spiritually fit. It has a lot to do with physical fitness. The battle for physical fitness is largely in our mind. It's in our head. That's why if you watch shows like The Biggest Loser, if you've ever seen that show, there's always a point in the episode where, where you know, some poor contestant is shot like a cannon off of a moving treadmill because they can't run anymore, and their legs are mangled up against the wall, and they're laying flat on their back, and there's a trainer spitting and screaming over them saying, what's wrong with you? And they say, well, when I was 10, you know, and they begin to tell the story about when they were 10. 
And because there's always a piece about these patterns of thinking, what they've been told, what they've heard, on on and on it goes, what they've experienced. But it's created a pattern of thinking. And half or more than half of the battle is the trainer getting the contestant to believe they can do it. The battle is in their head. It's in their mind. And the reality is when it comes to spiritual fitness, the battle is largely in our minds. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Turn with me, if you have your Bible, to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We've looked at these verses before, um, earlier, from a different perspective. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies the totality of your being as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about uh, worship and love expresses. Pastor Dick and Pastor Tom shared that talk together. But then look at verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, you remember, we've talked about this before too, you remember when you were a kid, I'm the oldest of three boys. So whenever we were fighting, and whenever I was picking on my little brothers, and I got in trouble, my mom would always come to me and my mom would say, tell your brother you're sorry. Alright, and so you know how it goes through gritted teeth. I'm sorry. And then you know what mom would always say? Mom would say, say it like you mean it. (laughs) Which basically means fake it. Just pretend that you're sorry. Now what every parent hopes for is genuine transformation in the heart of their kid that will actually be broken, maybe even a tear that says, I am so sorry I pulled your hair. That's what they hope for. But you know, when you're a parent, you're just tired and you don't care. You just want, even if you fake it, I don't care if you fake it, just say you're sorry. Right? So what we want is transformation, but we'll settle for just conformity. Just can do what I tell you. Right? There's a difference between transformation and and conformity, all right? Or maybe at work, if you think about it in terms of, of your job, if there's a new policy that's issued that you just think is dumb and you don't agree with it, all right? But you, you still abide by it. You still conform to the new rule because you want to keep your job, but you're not transformed. It's not like you believe in it. It's not like you think it's a good, it's a good thing. You just conform to it. All right, the command that we see in Romans chapter 12 that we get from Paul is don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the command, if you're taking notes, is transformation, not conformity. Transformation, not conformity. And there's a big difference between the two. You can conform behaviorally, and not be transformed inwardly. That's possible. In fact, in some small ways, we probably do it every day. Spiritual fitness, to be fit spiritually, is about transformation. It's about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, bringing about transformation in our hearts and in our minds. It's interesting, when Paul writes to the Galatians, and we won't put this on the screen, but when Paul writes to the Galatians, he actually comes to a point where he lists what he calls the works of the flesh. 
He says the works of the flesh are, and he lists all these things like immorality, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, on and on the list go. He says these are the works of the flesh. Then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now notice the contrast. The works of the flesh, he doesn't say, but the works of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit. That's important because spiritual fitness or spiritual formation is not about trading one set of external behaviors for another set of external behaviors. It's about transformation at the core of the tree, to use the metaphor. The tree is transformed, and so naturally that tree bears fruit that is consistent with the kind of tree it's become. That's the idea behind spiritual formation or spiritual fitness that Paul is communicating here. Because the tree is different, because we've been transformed inwardly, the external behaviors are just an outflow of the change that's happened on the inside. That's transformation, not merely conforming to a set of behaviors. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So it's not another code of behavior. It's the life of the Spirit living in us. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed is the Greek word metamorpho'o. What word do you suppose we get from the Greek word metamorpho'o? Metamorphosis. That's, that's where we get the word and we understand that. The whole, you know, go back to elementary school, the caterpillar and the butterfly. All right, metamorpho'o is the word. It's used only a couple more times in the New Testament. One of the times that it's used in the New Testament is when Jesus, if you remember this story, Jesus goes up on a mountain with Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John are asleep, and when they wake up, they see what's like a vision of Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus, and they say Jesus was transfigured before them and this light shone from him he was transfigured that's the same word metamorpho same exact word and so that's the idea that paul's talking about when he says transformation that we are transformed who we are at the core is different then he uses it again a little bit later which we'll look at in just a few minutes so all right first thing keep this in mind we're talking about transformation not conformity the key to that transformation Paul says, is a renewed mind. That's the key to this transformation, that our minds are renewed. Now, Paul says something interesting about the mind in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. Look at it with me. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new, notice this, in the attitude of your minds, the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What does that mean, the attitude of our minds? Well, we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When humanity, Adam and Eve, when humanity believed the lie that God did not have their best interest at heart, that God was holding back from them, that God could not be trusted. 
And they chose to rebel against the loving, caring rule of God and do their own thing, be their own God. When that happened, sin became a part of the human experience. And we talked about this before. Everything was broken. Part of what was broken was our thinking. Our thinking was broken due to humanity's rebellion against the rule and the reign of God. What Paul is saying here is that our minds are not merely computers that process data. All right? they, they don't simply contain knowledge, but our minds have an attitude. That's the word he uses in the NIV, attitude. Or in the King James, I think it says spirit of our minds. In other words, we have a mindset. A mindset. We have a way of thinking. And our way of thinking was broken because of humanity's rebellion against the loving rule and reign of God. So our way of thinking has been broken. Now we don't have time this morning to fully unpack all of that. But at its core, here's what that brokenness produced. At its core, what happened was our lives as human beings orbit around self instead of God. That's the brokenness that occurred when, when man chose. That, that's, that's part of the first temptation. The serpent came to Adam and Eve and said, you can be like God. You. Promote you. You can be like God. That was the temptation. And so the core of what broke in our, was broken in our way of thinking was that the center of our lives became self instead of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't people who are apart from God who do selfless things. There are people who do that, who do very great, gracious, humanitarian things. But the reality is, apart from this renewed mind that Paul talks about, humanity at its core places self on the throne, not God. Even in our humanitarianism, we still place self on the throne instead of God. That's the core of what's broken in our way of thinking. Peter talks about it like this. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now notice this. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. How do the Gentiles live? In the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So the root of the problem is this hardening of the heart because our way of thinking is broken. And Paul says the remedy is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our way of thinking needs to be transformed. How does that work? How are our minds renewed? I want to offer two things to you in the final minutes that we have together this morning. First of all, first of all, we must yield our minds. We must yield our minds to the work of the Holy Spirit. Yield. Now yield, that's an interesting word. When I hear the word yield, my mind immediately goes to that red triangle sign when you're driving. Yield, right? 
I was, uh, last weekend I had the privilege of speaking at a church in uh, a suburb of Chicago. And I, I've talked to people since I've been saying this this weekend who say in Chicago, the city, it's not actually like this. But in this suburb and on our way into the city, with all those people in the Chicagoland area, one of the things that surprised me was, was that for the most part, when you turned on your signal on the highway, they actually slowed down and let you change lanes. It was remarkable to me. I mean, it was almost like they invite you, please, welcome to my lane. And you just come right into the lane. It was just amazing. That's not always the case in Colorado. In fact, when you turn on your signal, I think it means speed up. Some of you are the culprits because I see your little Timberline cross in your window. When you... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, but we do put a little microchip in that cross so we know where you're at and how you drive. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I was, uh, I was in Phoenix this last week for some meetings as well, and, and in Phoenix, it's not the norm to turn on your signal and be allowed to just come into the lane. A few years ago, I was with Pastor Dick Foth in Washington, D.C., and as we were driving around there, I asked Dick, between praying, God, please spare our lives, I asked Dick, I said, why, why don't people signal here? And Pastor Dick said to me, why would we give information to the enemy? So, this, this whole idea of yielding, I think in the Midwest, they're going to get this concept better than, than in Colorado. And God help those people in Washington, D.C. When it comes to being spiritually fit... We have to yield our minds and all of our life to the work of the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed. There's the other use of that word, metamorpho. There it is right there. Are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord... Who is the Spirit? Alright? So, this transformation that's happening in our lives, what happens is we begin to reflect the Lord's glory. See, this goes to the core of what's broken in our way of thinking, apart from Jesus. Because apart from Jesus, we are the center of our world, and there is a bent in our life towards, towards reflecting our own glory. But when our mind begins to be renewed and our life begins to be transformed, we begin to reflect His glory. It's not our glory. It's His glory that we reflect. And, and that transformation is making us more like Him. And the one doing the work in us is Jesus by His Spirit who's changing us. And so the only way that happens is if we yield to Him. What does that mean to yield to Him? Well, transformation is not about willpower. It's not about our own willpower. It is first and foremost about the work of the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't involve discipline on our part. It doesn't mean that, okay? But primarily, it is surrendering to Jesus and the work that He wants to do in us by His Spirit. So we yield to Him by spending time with Him, by being in His presence, by pursuing Him and seeking Him in prayer, by ingesting this book that Pastor Derry talked about so powerfully last weekend, His Word, by feeding on His Word and studying it and knowing it and ingesting it and applying it and meditating on it, 
by committing ourselves to community, to relationships with other followers of Jesus, by serving, by putting ourselves in environments that teach us, that rebuke us when we need it, that inspire us and instruct us in the ways of Jesus. And God takes all of those things and He uses those things to begin to work on our way of thinking. And when He does, we yield. We let Him lead. We choose His way, not our way. We begin to think like He thinks. Paul calls that the mind of Christ. We begin to think like He thinks. He said in our text that we're looking at, This morning, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Why? Because you begin to think like Him. You begin to understand more clearly what His will is, because your mind's being renewed to think more and more like He thinks. Alright, so we have to yield to the work of the Spirit. The second part is, is that we set our minds. We not only yield our minds, but we set our minds. Now, this is important. The priority is yielding to the work of the Spirit. But that doesn't mean that we are passive in this process. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Fix our, what does that mean? Does that mean for us that we are to stare at paintings of Jesus? No. What does it mean? It means we fix our mind. We set our mind and our thoughts on Jesus, the person of Jesus, who he is and what he's done and what he teaches and how he lives and and what this word reveals about him. We fix our eyes on him. Look at what Paul said to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter four, verse eight. He said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever's right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about this stuff. What does that mean? That means Paul is telling us that we decide what we choose to dwell on in our minds. We choose that. Now, we can't always control the outward stimulus of what we see or hear or experience, but we absolutely choose the way we respond to that stimulus. We choose what we dwell on in our minds. We choose what we feed our minds. We choose that. See, now, this is a, this is a beautiful difference between the idea of just conforming behaviorally and being transformed inwardly. I grew, I grew up in a setting, in a, in a church setting, that emphasized a long list And that list was what what holiness was about. And most of the things on that list were don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that, don't go there, don't go here, don't see that, don't watch that, don't do, you know, don't, 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 don't. And and that is holiness. See, it's it's keeping the list because somehow if you keep the list, God likes you better. Alright? There's a big difference between that mentality and taking the perspective that says, my role is to partner with the work of the Holy Spirit in my life by setting my mind on Jesus and the things of His kingdom. Because when I choose to set my mind, when I choose to feed my mind the things of Jesus and His kingdom, He's transforming me because my mind's being renewed to be more like Him. That's a very different perspective when it comes to what I feed my mind. We choose 
what it is that we feed our minds. So, it boils down to this. When it comes to the mind and spiritual fitness, it's about transformation, not conformity. The key to that transformation is a renewed mind. And a renewed mind comes primarily from yielding to the work of the Spirit and then partnering with Him by setting our minds on Jesus and the things of His kingdom. It's that simple. So here's the question that I would pose to us today. Are you partnering with the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Or are you working against what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life? That's what it boils down to. In terms of what you dwell on, what you think about, what you feed your mind, are you partnering with the work of the Holy Spirit? Or are you working against it? For some of our, for some of our young people here, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And once it's in your blood, it never goes away. There's a, there's a little bit of crazy that will always exist in my head because I was a youth pastor and I love teenagers. And I just want to challenge our young people that are in the room today. Based on what you're putting into your mind and what you're dwelling on in your thoughts, are you partnering with the work of the Holy Spirit? Or are you working against what He wants to do? How have you set your mind? What are you feeding your mind? Would you bow your heads with me? I want us to close in prayer. God, I am so grateful to you that you meet us right where we are and that you give us the incredible gift of transformation, that we can be changed. I thank you, God, that what you're after from us is not a life where we grit our teeth and by sheer willpower we try to conform to a behavioral code. But what you're after is surrender. Where we yield to the work of your spirit and set our mind on you and then you transform us at the core so that not only do we begin to think like you think, but our desires are even shaped to be the same kind of desires that you have. And God, I just pray today for men, women, students in this room who are experiencing right now the loving but firm conviction of your spirit as you're dealing with them about how they've set their mind. What they feed their mind. God, I have felt compelled all weekend specifically to pray for people particularly men but not only men who are battling pornography and what they're feeding their mind is working against what your spirit wants to do in them God there's only one thing we can do with sin and that's repent. It's turn. And I pray for some men, specifically in this room, that this would be a catalyst, a moment of repentance, to turn from living the way that they've been living, what they've been feeding their mind, and surrender their mind to you. To set their mind on other things 
to seek out accountability and all the other steps that need to happen, but to fix their mind on you, Jesus, and the things of your kingdom, to fill their thoughts with the truth of your word. Jesus, you said the greatest commandment there is, is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, would you help us to love you with our mind by fixing our mind on you and your kingdom, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just give him praise? Can we just lift our applause to this great and awesome God? God, we thank you. We declare today that you are stronger and greater than even the patterns of our mind. We submit it to you. We thank you, God, that it's not dependent upon our own strength and ability. But it's dependent simply in partnering with you and you work in us to change us and make us who you want us to be. We thank you for that, God. We love you with all our hearts. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like prayer in both auditoriums, we have a prayer team that would meet you at the front. Otherwise, God bless you as you go. The service begins now.